Good morning. Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to our worship service this morning. Please stand and join us as we begin by singing our praises to God.
Oh! 
lift our eyes, our hearts, every part of our being to you. We come in the spirit of openness and a desire for you to work in us. Thank you for being present in this time of worship today. And we look forward to all that you're going to do for us. We ask this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are in worship today. Good morning on this beautiful snowy day with some warmer temperatures for us. This past Wednesday, 10 of us from the congregation traveled up to the west side of Buffalo to see Jericho Road Ministries and to see firsthand the services that they provide um, to tour the facilities and to hear from some of the volunteers and their stories. We were blessed to see that the growth in Jericho Road Ministries What once started as a small family medical practice by Houghton alum Myron Glick and his wife back in 1997 has now expanded to multiple facilities, and they now offer holistic community services, such as um, English language classes, um, financial management classes, home buying classes, mentoring for pregnant mothers, and early childhood education classes. In addition to serving low-income, native-born Buffalo families, a large portion of the clients they serve are refugees from many different countries. We learned that 5% of Buffalo's population are refugees. Buffalo currently has four resettlement agencies that assist refugees when they arrive to the U.S. in helping them to get on their feet. Um, Many times where they fled a country that has experiencing war, genocide, and persecution, um, These resettlement agencies help for about six months, but a lot of times this is not enough time to adjust and become self-sufficient in a land where they're learning a new language, they're unfamiliar with the social services, unfamiliar with um, the banking system, educational system. So this is where Jericho Road Ministries comes into play, and they make sure that they are receiving excellent medical care and um, becoming self-adjusted and self-sufficient in the U.S., It was really neat for us to walk through the facilities and to see the people working there from all kinds of different ethnic backgrounds. And what we learned was a lot of the people that are working there were refugees themselves and prior clients of Jericho Road Ministries. And they're thankful for the love and the care that they received when they came to the U.S. and now they want to give back. So they're serving as translators and um, caseworkers for peoples of their own language groups. Jericho Road Ministries truly is an example of the Good Samaritan on the road to Jericho. He didn't just see the, um, the man on the side of the road that had been beaten and robbed, see him and just pass by. He didn't just stop and bandage his wounds and keep going on his way. He stopped, he provided medical care, he put him on his donkey, took him to the inn and took care of him paid the innkeeper two denarii and said, when I return, I will reimburse you for any additional expenses. He truly made sure the traveler was back on his feet again. 
And this is what Jericho Road Ministries does. It provides excellent medical care and makes sure that people get back on their feet again. Um, You have an opportunity to be a part of this. This Saturday, our church is taking a mini mission trip to Buffalo. We have three work sites where we will be working. The first one, we are rehabbing a home that is going to be used for an anti-human trafficking church. The second site, we'll be working at a thrift store. And the third site is on the east side of Buffalo, where they're going to begin work on a Jericho Road um, medical clinic. There there will be a caravan from the church that will leave about 8.30 in the morning, and we'll we'll return back to Houghton around dinner time. And we're asking for $10 per person to cover the cost of lunch and snacks for the day. Um, Another opportunity where you can get involved is we're hosting a baby shower at the church this Saturday for the Priscilla Project. The Priscilla Project is the health mentoring program for the pregnant refugee mothers. Um, This baby shower is going to be from 10 to noon downstairs in the Good Shepherd room um, below the sanctuary. And uh, we will be watching a video on the Priscilla Project to learn more about that. And we will be making receiving blankets and knitting baby hats. So donations of yarn and fleece are needed, as well as any gently used baby items. Um, There's also, I think, a list in your bulletin of items that you can donate or provide. In the pew this week, there are little blue slips of paper. We encourage all of you to think about how you might um, contribute to these two mini mission projects that we have going on. If you'd like to jot down how you'd like to serve, um, just drop that in the offering plate as it's passed this morning. Thank you. Thank you, Kim. I went on that trip Wednesday also with the crew that went up to Jericho Road. It was a great uh, Great time, and I hope Saturday some of you can go on the missions trip, some of you can go to the Priscilla shower. I'm here to talk about the faith promise. I know you want us to stop talking, 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 but I've got to explain what's in your bulletin, that little card there. Since 2010, God has blessed our church's outreach through faith promises. These are funds given above and beyond our regular church budget dollars. When the church needed to tighten its budget belt, there was a strong sense that God could and would still pour out his blessings on our resources via the faith promise approach. And he has. If you'll go to the atrium of the CE building, you'll see a big bulletin board there, and it tells about the the several years of how God has abundantly blessed. So just to be clear, this is not a pledge that someone will collect and chase you for. The wording is maybe a little bit fuzzy on here. It's up to God to supply and to us to be the channels. I have to say that in my family, year after year, God surprises us with something that we didn't know was coming. He is good. Again, this simply means that besides what we would regularly plan to give through our tithes and offerings, we prayerfully and believingly trust God to provide extra in his own way. And we promise that as he provides it, we will pass it along. We turn in an indication of that, what we will trust the Lord for next Sunday on this second half of this sheet. That's what the card is for. This year, the time, as I said, to collect this has been moved from the fall to our spring missions conference, which is next Sunday, February 9th. And our time frame may be a little confusing to some, but we can receive these funds all the way to December 31st or the end of the calendar year rather than the fiscal church year because we've shoved this uh, time up to receive the cards. 
So between now and December. The current ministries and amounts are shown on the back of the card. You can see some, such as the Well Project, have already been provided for through faith promise funds that we've received already in this fiscal year. In the spring, we'll probably be updating some of these ministries. Be assured they are vital, including projects such as uh, the food pantry, uh, community outreach and emergency needs, uh, various ministries in Allegheny County, in the region, Buffalo, and beyond. So it's very important. So after prayerful consideration, next week we will turn in the small portion of the card and see how God provides and blesses our faith and our obedience to go over and above in our church's outreach giving. If you have questions about it, check the bulletin board out in the uh, center, um, CE Center, and you can ask questions to Pastor Kevin, myself, Calvin Shear, some of us on the missions committee. God bless. Appreciate uh, Kim and Paul, and I uh, do ask that you would prayerfully consider what God may, how God may want to stretch your faith in giving over these uh, next few months. Just a couple of things I want to highlight in the bulletin. Uh, today, following Sunday school, the second service, uh, there is a uh, college ministries meet and greet upstairs in the youth room. And you see information in the bulletin about that. If you have an interest in connecting with some college students or if you're a college student and you want to connect with some uh, folks here in the church that are here year-round, we'd love to have you be a part of that gathering. And uh, you can just join that group uh, after, after the, the Sunday school time and the second service. There's also an insert in your bulletin about the Valentine's Banquet. And you see information there about when and where and when to sign up and information related to that. Uh, just a couple of other announcements. There are obviously a number of things in the bulletin that we are praying about. We continue to do that. Um, we do want to, I do want to mention that um, Isabel Alexander died on Friday. And um, her services uh, visitation will be this coming Friday, 7 to 9, at the Copeland Williams Funeral Home in Fillmore. And then uh, the service will be Saturday at 2 o'clock here at the church with the visitation an hour before that at 1. So uh, please be aware of that for Isabel Alexander. The service will be Saturday at 2 here at the church and the visitation Friday evening at 7 to 9 at the funeral home in Fillmore. We also want to give thanks for uh, uh, new life in our church. Gavin Riker Liddick was born uh, Friday to Mitch and Karen, and we celebrate with them and rejoice in the gift of new life and for them and for us as a church. Hi there. I am Andrea Boone, and this is Heidi Miller, and we run the junior church for children ages kindergarten through third grade. During the 820 service, the children join us after the offering song, and they're with us for about a half an hour, 45 minutes, and what we do is 
we, we know what Wes is going to be talking about in this service, and we try to break that down into a way that the children will understand. Um, the idea is that the children will be able to transition into worshiping uh, with their parents as they uh, proceed past third grade. So you'll see that on communion Sundays, the children actually stay with their parents in the service as we make these transitions over the next couple years. We started in September. The children loved the fruit of the Spirit. We had a great time. I'm really breaking that down with the kids, and they did a great job. We have, um, with what Wes is going to be talking about, we sort of uh, altered it a little, and we have an um, Olympic theme coming up in the next several weeks as we're going to be joining and watching the Olympics, I'm sure, many of us. But we've had this really great project that has been going over on over the past six weeks, and so Heidi is going to talk to us a little bit about that. Good morning. As Andrea was saying, when we started to brainstorm about this idea of having a new junior church, one thing that we really wanted to do was take what you all would be learning each week and incorporate it into our lesson. And we felt that that was really important, that cohesiveness with what you were learning, what they were learning, so that um, they didn't just see themselves as this completely separate entity, but they believed that they belonged to this congregation as a whole. And um, they could go home and talk to their old their siblings or their parents, and they would have those, aha, I'm learning the same thing that you are moments. Um, And so when the mission team came before you a few weeks ago and presented these opportunities to leave the confines of Houghton and go into Buffalo to uh, minister alongside Jericho Road and Westside Ministries, we knew that we really wanted to offer our kids the same opportunities to serve alongside each of you. And so we've been talking a lot about refugees the last six weeks, and as we had them flee from the junior church room with whatever they could carry and stand out in the cold, um, we could see the light bulbs going on, and they have been so excited to be giving um, some of their extra money each week. Um, Andrea and I have just been blessed to see them carrying in their little piggy banks filled with money and hear the stories from their parents um, of them getting their allowance money or a Christmas or birthday gift of money and them immediately going and putting it in their their bank uh, to bring with them. And so we just want to give them a couple minutes to share what they've been learning and also to bring forward their offering um, of school supplies and some writing materials to give to the ESL program at Jericho Road. Refugees are people who have to leave their country to go somewhere else because their country isn't safe. Okay. 
It is hard to be a refugee because you have to leave your home and sometimes have no money and no toys, and you may be alone. We are saving money for the ref- we are buying supplies for the refugees who move to Buffalo to make a home. It's a which says wants a tick. What's that? If you couldn't understand my brother Clayton, he said we raised one hundred dollars. The rest of the children, as they file through here, they're going to hand their supplies. Go ahead, Jack, right on down, uh, to Kevin Austin, who is our our missions pastor. And so these are the different supplies that we were able to purchase for the children with the uh, money that the children raised. And we have so generously been continued to give donations, even as we had stopped and had gone to buy supplies, both with children still bringing in money and some other families in the church who have continued to give us uh, money. And so we are just so thankful for everybody who has helped our children uh, be able to make this possible. They have just really been excited to do this um, with the kids. Can you guys keep going? Yeah, just you can put that right in there, too. Even, you can even see here. Can you hold that up for me? The, this, each, this is what happens each week as the kids come in with their plastic bags filled with the money they've raised. So thank you, Alex. You can put that down there. Everybody get their money in? Okay. And on behalf of Jericho Road, we thank you, folks, you young uh, ladies and gentlemen, for your contributions. And God will bless those as he blesses you, and he'll use them for his glory and his honor. Thank you so much. I'd like to invite the ushers forward at this time to assist us with our tithes and offerings. Soften the hardness 
it built up inside Bring out the darkness that we try to hide Help us trust the one who for our sakes died That we may lean on you and in you abide Come change our hearts Come change our hearts Come change moment of praying together, if you'd like to use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please come and join me. Father, we acknowledge this morning that you have been good to us far beyond what we would ever deserve. You've surrounded us with so many gifts in your creation, in life, family, friends. Above all, you have sent Christ. 
as we recognize all of the times in which, in spite of your goodness, we have been selfish and thoughtless and rebellious. In this moment of silence, hear our prayer of repentance. Whisper to us words of forgiveness. Father, we pray not only for ourselves, but we ask in your mercy that you will minister your grace in our homes and in our lives where there is sickness and pain and suffering and grief. We pray for your grace upon those who struggle with problems at work, at home, at school, even in this church. In this moment of silence, hear our prayers of intercession. Bring healing and peace to our needy hearts and souls. Father, we pray for this world that you've created. We are grieved as we know you are by the events in so many places of the world, bloodshed, violence, abuse, slavery, the human struggle with sin that wreaks havoc throughout the world. We pray today that you will bring peace. We pray that you will raise up your people to be a voice for calm, forgiveness, mercy, and truth. And for those places of the world that are nearing the boiling point, we pray for your divine intervention. Father, as your people living in this fallen, rebellious world, we pray that you will help our light to shine in the darkness that we may be channels of hope through Jesus Christ. We pray, Father, that, that we will desire your eternal justice, that even as we lament evil and the pain that it inflicts, we are messengers of hope and light, of mercy and grace. So in this moment of silence, hear our prayers for the world, for your people in the world, and that our hearts might be stirred anew for your presence in the world. Father, open our eyes to see as you see, our ears to hear as you hear, our minds to think as you think, our arms.
to embrace as you embrace. Open our hearts to love as you love. And all for the sake of your glory, for the redemption of the world through Christ. The one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Scripture reading this morning is from Genesis 4, 1 through 24. And uh, after I've finished reading, those who are ages 2 to 4 can head down to Children's Church, preferably with a parent. And uh, ages kids through uh, kindergarten through 3, if there are any of you left up here that want to go to Junior Church, you can head down after the Scripture reading as well. Heaven help the leaders if there are too many more of you, though, (laughs) that need to go down. All right. Genesis 4, 1 through 24. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, With the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, but Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field... Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methushael, and Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Adah and the other Zillah. Adah gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp. And flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, 
who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Nema. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Please stand and join us as we sing. Yeah. 
Please be seated. More than likely, I don't know the details of when it happened or where it happened. I I probably don't know the people involved or the circumstances that triggered it. I I don't know if, if this is something that has happened recently or something that has been a part of your life for a long time. But I suspect that in one way or another, in some circumstance or another, with some people or another, we wrestle with things like jealousy and envy, with anger and disappointment. And the struggle doesn't just stay there. As it sits in our lives for a while, that jealousy and envy, that anger and frustration and disappointment becomes bitterness. And it is a a, a wrestling of the human condition. We, We were passed over for something that we felt like we deserved. Someone spoke ill about us in a way that was completely untrue. We didn't get what we thought we should have gotten. We did get what we thought we shouldn't have gotten. And after a while, those feelings of jealousy and envy and anger and frustration and struggle have just been eating away at us. And now, the best way to describe what we're wrestling with is bitterness. And we live with it every day. Sometimes we think about some things we think about all the time. Other times we don't think about it until something triggers it. And there it all is again. It is a part of being human. It's part of our struggle to wrestle with these things. And it's at the heart of this story that we have read this morning about these two famous brothers, Cain and Abel. There's a lot about this story that we do not understand. What tends to happen when people read this story is we want to know what is it about the sacrifices that God didn't make God accept this, Abel's and not accept Cain's. What about those sacrifices? And there are a zillion theories about why Abel's is accepted and Cain's is not. Some people will say it's because uh, Abel offered uh, an animal, a blood sacrifice, and and Cain didn't. He offered grain or something from the, the land. Others will say it's because Abel offered the best of his flock and, and Cain offered just some of what he raised from the earth. The reality is all of that is in some way conjecture. We really don't know. The text doesn't give us a clear answer, and I think that's intentional. Because, see, we want to get wrapped up in what about the sacrifices. This is not a story about what makes a good sacrifice or not. There are other places in the Bible where we read those things. This is a story about what do you do when you feel jealous? 
when you're envious, when you're disappointed, when you're hurt. And when those emotions that we feel become bitterness, and they're not just toward another person, but they're toward God too. What do we do about it? When we come face to face with what we're going to do with those things that are deep within us, that eat at us, and quite frankly, are destroying us. Now, I suspect very few of us will be tempted to commit murder because of bitterness we may be feeling. But we might be tempted to commit character assassination. We might be tempted to start rumors or to extend gossip. We, we might be tempted to, to hurt people in other ways because we are lashing out. And we might say that the most profound thing we do is to re- not just to reject other people, but to reject God. And one of the great tragedies of this story, and one of the great tragedies of holding on to our bitterness, is that it not only destroys us. I mean, you see what happens to Cain in this story. There is, there is something in Cain that that believes that if he just gets rid of his brother, he's taking care of the problem. I've always thought that God's conversation with him, however that took place, is, is immediately followed by the next day, hey, Abel, let's go out to the field. But I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. I suspect that there's some time difference. I suspect there's some time because... Cain begins to ruminate about what has happened and and how disappointed he is and frustrated he is and angry he is until eventually he commits premeditated murder. And it eats away at him and you see what happens. He faces the punishment of that. But it's not really just about punishment. God, the, the... The difficulties we deal with and the consequences are not just God's going to punish me but it's how it destroys our lives. And what we think is going to to complete some action that that we feel is incomplete. What we think is going to give us a sense of satisfaction because what we wanted, we've gotten. We've been proven right. We've taken care of that person. We've gotten back at them. We've done what we needed to do. And in the moment, it feels good. In the moment, we think, oh, that's what I was hoping for. And then the moment passes. And we are worse off than we were before. I don't think Cain has sinned by bringing whatever it is about the sacrifice that God doesn't accept. I get the feeling as I read this passage that that's not that that isn't that isn't destroying his relationship with God. Something about it isn't what God wanted. I don't know what that is. It's obviously Cain must know what it is. The real issue is the sin is how Cain is going to handle 
what God says to him. Being challenged, the jealousy. And God says to him, Cain, you need to be so careful because sin is crouching behind your door. It's lying in wait. It's lurking. And you can either choose to leave the door shut or you can open it. And what usually happens is, for us, we we don't open it all the way. We just open a little bit. We nurse our feelings. We, We hang on to them. We clutch them. We stroke them. And as we continue to do that, it makes us feel a little bit better to, to nurse those, those griefs, to nurse our pain, to nurse our bitterness. And every time we keep doing that, we keep opening the door just a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Until sin isn't crouching behind the door anymore, it's inside. And we find ourselves at places we could never have dreamed possible. Never. Never in a million years could we have dreamed that that, that feeling of jealousy, of, of envy, of disappointment, of frustration, of anger could lead us to this place. But it's the natural consequence of allowing bitterness to stay in our hearts And it's not just about us. One of the reasons we kept reading this chapter is you see what happens to Cain's family. And you see the pattern repeated. Generations down the road of reacting the same way, doing things the same way. And the honest truth is, our bitterness that eats away at us is actually more painful for the people closest to us than it might be for us. Because our bitterness hurts other people. And it doesn't hurt the people we're angry at. It hurts the people who are closest to us. The people who want to love us, we shove them away. The people who want to help us, we push them away. Because that's what bitterness does. It destroys relationships. It puts us in a place where where we don't trust anyone. We feel paranoid about people. We are continually thinking everyone is against us. And we see people only as people who we can use to get to our end of vengeance. A few years ago, we saw an ad for a a new television show that just struck me as so crazy. The, the title of the show was Revenge. I don't know, maybe some of you have watched it. And, and I was so intrigued by that title and what that was going to be about that, that we decided, let's watch this and see what's happening here. The whole, I mean, the, you titled the show Revenge. What, is, what does that mean? And the story is based about, on a woman who has come back to the the place where she was raised as a child. And she's come back. No one knows who she is. And her sole purpose for coming back is to avenge the death of her father. The rich and the powerful people in this place framed him and, and had him executed for something they did. 
And her passion in life is to wreak vengeance on all of those people. And one by one, she takes them out. But what's interesting about it is that as the story develops, what started out feeling like maybe justice, now is just pure vengeance. And innocent people are being hurt. And what's so fascinating is that there are a few people who know her story and they are assisting her. And she has now turned them against her. Because they're just people that she can use. They're just people, if they get in the way, too bad. Because her whole life is absorbed with vengeance and bitterness and hatred. And we say to ourselves, oh, I could never get to that place. That's never going to happen. Of course, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen now, but we keep opening the door a little bit. And we end up in places we could have never dreamed possible. Now, the thing that I find fascinating about this story is that God is merciful. I mean, after he, after he announces Cain's punishment, Cain says, this is more than I can bear. And God is merciful to him. And God is continually merciful to us. But there are always consequences. Every time I read this story, I think about 4th of July, 1969. I was almost 10 years old. And I remember that morning, we were having a church picnic at our church in the Cincinnati area. And... My dad got a phone call. He was a pastor of the church. And one of the the leaders of the church called him and said, Can you come down to the jail? Our son Vic has been arrested for murder. Vic had grown up in that church. Gone to to a Christian college. My dad went down to see him. And he told him the story of he and some friends had been out drinking one night. They decided to rob a gas station. And in the course of that... Vic killed the gas station attendant. And now months later, they had arrested him and he had admitted to everything and he told my dad, I'm so glad it's over because I couldn't live with the guilt anymore. And over the course of the next few months and year or two, he turned his life around and he became a great witness for Christ. But he still spent 25 years in prison. And his act of rebellion against what he knew and the decisions he made still had consequences. And God's warning to Cain and God's warning to us is intended to be to prevent us from experiencing pain. The kind of pain that eats away at us and destroys our lives and destroys our relationships and destroys other people. Sometimes when we think about God, some people have this mindset that that God's whole persona is to get us. It's all about following rules and regulations, and that's all God cares about. The reality is God is merciful. And God's interaction with us is not to, to make life more difficult. It's to give us freedom. It's, it's to allow us to really live 
And instead of being enslaved in the bondage of bitterness, he wants to set us free to live and to love. And the temptation is continually before us about what we're going to do when we first feel those twinges of jealousy and envy and anger and frustration and disappointment. Are we going to open the door or keep it closed? We all have a choice. We have a choice of how we're going to respond. God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. And what you need to do is to master it. I don't know everything that's wrapped up in what it means to master sin in this context. But I think it's having a want to. I think it is having a desire to not let bitterness get into us. And that want to, that desire changes everything. Ultimately, God is the one who has to work in us. God is the one who will change us. God is the one who will heal us. We have to want him to do that. And the difference will come down to, do we want God to heal us? Do we want to let go, to surrender our desire to hold on to bitterness and anger and jealousy and all of this stuff that will destroy us? Or are we willing to let it go? It's hard to let it go because especially if it's been a part of our lives for a while, because it, it's our security point. And letting it go may mean that we have to, that people don't really know the truth about what happened. Letting go means that, that we're not going to be able to, to set the record straight with people. Letting go may mean that, that we simply have to step away from it. But the choice is always before us. We can hold on to it, open the door, and be destroyed. Or we can let it go, keep the door shut, and truly live in the grace of God. I want us to do something this morning. I, I think this want to has a, a very active side to it. I think in front of you, in all of the pews, there are sermon notepads. If not, there's probably one in the row in front of you or behind you. I'd like everybody to take, just tear off one of those sheets. have to write down whatever the situation is and maybe you're here today and you don't really feel any situation and praise God for that but if there is something that you know 
is eating away at you and it's controlling you or it's right at the edge and you're, you're feeling that sense of whether I'm going to open the door or not. And maybe you've opened the door and it's time to, you want to shut it. It may mean that you need to ask someone's forgiveness. It may mean that you realize your anger is at God and you need to ask God to forgive you. It may mean that that you need to pray for God to give you the want to, to forgive someone. Maybe the first thing you can do is ask God to give you, to make you want to want to forgive someone. God will start with us wherever we are. We're going to take just a moment of silence to think, to listen to God. And if God is speaking to you about some step to take, I want to encourage you to write it down. And Commit yourself this week to take action on whatever he's saying to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for caring enough, loving us enough to want to prevent us from moving in directions that would be so harmful for us. As we've heard you speak into our hearts this morning, give us courage to to be open to you, to hear you, and to respond to you. Whatever we may have written down, give us grace to act on it this week. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Stir our affections to know you more, 
turn our attentions from this empty world. Help us count all things for your name lost, that we may know you more and the glory of the cross. Come change our hearts. Come change our hearts. Come change our hearts. Come change our hearts. May we believe you satisfy more than anything. May we respond to Jesus Christ.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.